Hey everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, and we're going to be re-engaging this podcast in a new way, actually in an old way. Um, for the next season, I'm going to be going back into the Anglican lectionary and doing a few episodes a week, uh, just giving you an opportunity to hold the Bible in uh, 10 to 12 minute sections where we reflect on one of the daily lectionary, daily office readings. For those of you who are not Anglican, fear not. Uh, all the daily lectionary is is a, an Anglican way of devotional reading. It's an old plan that gets you through large chunks of the Bible, and we're going to be picking a selection from those and putting them out there Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So this is not going to be deep sermons. These are reflections, short reflections on the Bible. And here's my hope uh, before we jump into today's. My, my hope is that you will, through the way we hold the scripture here, uh, and, and like I said, this is not deep head stuff. This is going to be heart stuff. Um, I won't be using much of what I learned in seminary, probably never breaking out a commentary here. We're going to be just engaging in a plain reading of the Bible with an eye toward where the invitation is, where the Lord is inviting us to hold the truth of the word in our hearts. And you can do that. Uh, my hope is the way we do it here will inform the way you do it at home, that you'll learn to look for the voice of the Spirit as you read the Bible like a child. Uh, a childlike reading, I think, can give us so much access to the things God wants to say. You don't need commentaries stacked up around you in order to learn to hear God in what the Lord is saying through the Bible. So I'm going to read, then we're going to pray, and we're going to jump in. And I'm actually pumped for this one um, here in mid-November. Uh, as we move toward Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, the season of Advent, we're going to be looking at um, the birth of uh, or the pregnancy story of Mary. And I, I love this. It's going to be great. So Luke 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will call, be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh, that sentence. <laughs> and then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Mary was Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Gosh, 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you for this beautiful pregnancy story of both Mary and Elizabeth. And I pray, Lord, that as we begin to turn our gaze out on the horizon toward Advent and the holiday season, that you would begin to prepare our hearts, Lord. I pray today that we would marvel at Mary and Elizabeth, that we would uh, think with joy and respond with joy to Jesus and John, the two babies in the womb. And I pray, God, that we would learn from Mary about what it means to make room for you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What an amazing story. Uh, Mary, and I think Elizabeth also, but Mary specifically is a principal figure and picture of discipleship and spiritual formation. Uh, Paul says in the New Testament that he um, would that Christ would be formed in us. I mean, Mary literally has Christ formed within her. She makes room for Jesus in her own body. Uh, she is an exemplar to men and women alike when it comes to what it means to make room for God to follow God. And I just love this story because here's Mary. She's young. She's a virgin. She is devout. And God pursues her uh, through an angel. The Lord pursues her. And he says to her, um, I'm, I'm promising you a child. And, you know, our last episode there in Genesis, going back um, to Genesis 17, where the three strangers come and pursue Sarah, who's old and cynical, and says to Sarah, you're going to have a baby. Well, here God comes to a young, devout woman who is not cynical, and he promises a child. He does actually more than that. He promises a king who will sit on the throne of David forever. And I just love Mary's response when God promises her Jesus her response is not cynicism. She just simply asks a question, how, how can this be? Since I'm a virgin, I've never made love to a man. How, how am I going to have a baby? And, you know, the questions asked of the older people in the Bible are more cynical questions. This question is actually just a really honest question from a kid. Um, how? How can I believe? And God answers her question. God says, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And one of the things that I love about God is that with God, as we are presented with the impossible, um, to the impossible, God says the Holy Spirit. God says, this is what we've come to do. The Holy Spirit's going to come and overshadow you. And one of the things I love about this, and this is where, y'all, Mary being told she's going to have Jesus, there is no, that, that is a non-repeatable phenomenon. There, there is no way in which he's, the God's going to come to you or me and tell me something of equal importance. Um, that's just not the way the Bible works. So not everything here is applicable to us, but this part is. I love the fact that when the angel tells Mary that she's going to have a baby, the next thing the angel tells her, the next thing God tells her through the angel is you're not alone. Your cousin Elizabeth, your relative Elizabeth is also going to have a baby. And I just love this because it really works against uh, the lie that many of us can buy into, which is that when we follow God, we have to do it all by ourselves. When we do the right thing or the courageous thing, that it's always a lonely thing, that there's a kind of like rugged individualism that can creep into our thinking if we're not careful. And right here to Mary, the mother of Jesus, God says, I'm going to do something impossible through the Holy Spirit. And when I do it, you don't have to think you're, you're on your own. You don't have to think you're by yourself. He tells her she's going to have a child. And then he says, the angel does, I want you to go and be with your relative who's also going to have a child. 
to rest there, to be there with her. And I think there are a lot of reasons for this. I mean, number one, Mary was going to be pregnant outside of wedlock in a town that was teeny tiny. Scandal would have surrounded her. She would have been ostracized and rejected. And so there's like a really practical thing going on here where God says, I want you to get out of your familiar environment so you'll be safe. But I also think there's an invitation here that would fit for you and me when God's working in our lives. Sometimes the Lord asks us to get out of our familiar trappings just so that we can experience care and receive from God in our in new ways, in ways that will give us a fresh perspective. And so the Lord says to Mary, I want you to go be with your relative Elizabeth. And I love the fact that Elizabeth is also um, experiencing the gift of an impossible pregnancy that Elizabeth, who probably is more like you and me, is um, old and, and feels like her fruitful days are behind her. And the Lord has actually blessed her with a child. She's pregnant. And after the angel tells Mary, you're going to have a baby, your relative Elizabeth is going to have a baby, go be with her. Mary's response before she gets visual confirmation, before she really probably knows what it all means, is to say, let it be unto me according to your word. She says, yes. And as we approach the, the beauty and the pain of the holiday season, I just think it's important for us to marvel at Mary's yes. Mary, she says yes. Uh, she says yes to not only the goodness and the joy of it, but she says yes to the pain of it, the uncertainty of the plan of God, the scandalous plan of God. She just says yes. And in that sense, Mary is our teacher um, to God's word, to God's promise, to God's challenge, to God's invitation to obedience, Mary simply says yes. And I love it. And then as soon as she says yes, she goes to stay with Elizabeth. She goes to the hill country and she remains there for some time. And it's just such a beautiful passage because the way it ends, I think, has got something for us. As soon as she enters the house, Elizabeth's baby jumps for joy. John, who will be John the baptizer, John, the last of the Old Testament prophets, um, recognizes Jesus from the womb, in the womb. There's a lot of womb happening here. But let's just hold this one idea as, as we go into our day leaping for joy. The baby John leapt for joy. When God comes close, joy is the appropriate response. And I've been thinking about this a lot in my own life. And actually our church over the last year since I came back from the time of burnout and, and we began to re-engage our purpose and our mission and our, our vision as a, a church here in Atlanta, we have really considered the idea of joy. Historically, um, I, I was known probably more for being serious than joyful. Our church for sure was known for being thoughtful, not necessarily joyful. And we felt the, the nudge of the Spirit, and I felt this in a very personal way, to move in a direction of joy, to lean toward joy, to press into the idea of joy, that we would be people known and marked by joy. And I believe that as we move toward the reflections on Christmas and the holidays and the birth of Jesus, that now is a time for us to set our eyes on the horizon looking for joy. Because I'm going to tell you, when God comes close, our response ought to be joy. It ought to be a kind of spark of something leaping within us, similar to what was happening with Elizabeth. And so here's my challenge to you. 
I want to challenge you beginning now to begin to pray for an increase in joy in your life. An increase in the kind of vibrancy and life that only God can bring. Sure, there are times to be serious. There are times to be sober-minded. But there's also a time for us to really hope for and revel in joy. God wants you and me to be full of life. One of the things that I'm sensing in my own life is an increase in joy. This setting my intention toward joy has resulted in an increase in joy and an increase of awareness of where God is working and where life can be beautiful and fulfilling and hopeful. That's also happening in our church. There's a sense in which when we name joy as a church community, it felt aspirational. It felt like something that was not currently true, but we hoped would be true. And now increasingly it is a part of our lived experience. And I believe the same can be and should be true for all of us. I'll leave you with this. As we move into what I believe is an increasingly post-Christian world, uh, a world that in large part has just will end up increasingly moving on from Christian conviction, it is our joy that will be the greatest apologetic. It'll be the greatest testimony that we would be a people marked by the goodness of God, the life of God, and joy. And this holiday season, for you and me, can be an opportunity for us to set our intention and ask God for an increase of joy. So I hope you'll join me in that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. See you soon.